For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Kodiak Shack podcast. Uh, today, we have Julian Caps for his third time on the podcast. He's from uh, Crowdbotics, as you know, and uh, they're working on some AI stuff. We have Bender here and uh, Admin, as usual, up front. Uh, thank you, everybody. Like, share, subscribe, uh, and comment. Send us messages. Tell us how we're doing, poor or well, at uh, info at KodiakShack.com. Donations are always open. It's in the show notes. I normally say that at the end, so uh, if you don't make it to the end of the episodes, then you probably don't hear that part. Uh, another addition, if you're watching, you may have noticed, but uh, if you're only listening, Bender and I have our Kodiak Shack hats on. Uh, we are uh, getting into the hat game. So uh, if you like the hats, let us know. And uh, we're going to start buying uh, some more hats to give out maybe as uh, some prizes for guests or uh, or for some uh, some listeners. So thank you, everybody who listens. We're going to get right into it. Uh, Julian, you already told us about yourself uh, multiple times. So unless you got anything to add, we're just going to jump into flying stories with Bender. Nothing to add, dude. I'm here. I'm back. I'm ready. Return trip number three. I'm ready for more Lord of the Rings comparisons. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to dive right in. <laughs> well, it's the first time with me and Julian together. So that's true. Like, yeah, like that's true. Time. This is a, a bromance waiting to yeah. waiting to pop off. Yeah, I know. Being impressed, but you know, whatever. I do what I can. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> wait. What? The hat's got a some good water start, here though. from that is East not Palestine, water. from the Ohio yeah. River, <laughs> sourced directly right. from the East Palestine. Light it on fire. Yeah. The uh, so Bender, what uh, how's the flying been out there? Yeah, it's been pretty good. I don't know. We had so winter was rough. We got so much snow in Utah, which is awesome. But there's a Alta, one of our ski resorts, it's got over 800 inches, which is I don't do oh, math super well, but that's like you know tens of like feet. Yeah, yeah. Like it's nearly a thousand inches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're pressing on. Anyway, so they like published. They're like, we're gonna try to go you know, 365 degrees or days, not degrees, uh, of skiing this year. So they're going to try to stay open all summer long because they have that much snow. They don't think it's going to melt, which is pretty crazy. Anyway, so all that goes into the flying because we just haven't done very much this winter. We've been trying to, but every time, uh, for me, I think I've flown maybe four or five times a month, like since December with four or five cancels, just because we just, there's just snow constantly falling. Uh, and it's not Mm -hmm. Misawa. So Misawa, we had tons of snow. And they seemed, it was like a well-orchestrated, you know, operation for them to all drive in formation and clear the runway. But Hill is not like that. So if it snows in the morning, then it's going to be two hours before you have a shot at even taxing that aircraft out to the runways. So anyway, it's been a slow winter flying-wise, which is, you know, it's good. You get to ski more often than we probably should. But uh, anyway, so it's been it's been a good time. Yeah, good yeah. fights out there? Beating up Pretty on good. people? Yeah, you know, we beat up on each other mostly. Yeah. Yeah, we don't do a whole lot. Of, we got to get more people out here, more dissimilar aircraft, because most of the time it's just, 
Well, sometimes we'll go up to Mountain Home and fly with the Strike Eagles, which is that is always a good time. Uh, the radar signature of a Strike Eagle is, you know, like New York City, basically. So you can yeah. see them, like, as soon as they start taxiing over, like, 20 knots, you know, like, they start populating <laughs> on everybody's sensors. Uh, and then they're seen forever after that. So that's always fun. And they never, you know, they actually have pretty good radar. So they eventually will find Fat Amy when we get close enough. But but that's it. We got to get some Fresno Eagles out there so we can kind of mop up a little bit, which I heard. Maybe we'll just transition right over to Eagle Stories. Yeah, well, I, you know, flying around, I, I'd say I am happy to bring some uh, C models out there and fight or bring some 35s out to uh, Fresno because that'd be be good time. I did have, which I appreciated if they are listening. I ran into two listeners, people I didn't actually know, not like my mom and stuff. Uh, but they were like, Hey Vader, like from Kodiak Shack. And I was like, Holy cow. People actually listen. Check that out. Uh, so I appreciate it guys. Thanks for uh, saying hi when, uh, when we met and when you saw me. Um, but yeah, so I've been flying around now that I'm back home. And uh, we were lucky enough to get some uh, F-35C support, so the Navy variant of the F-35, for uh, some of our upgrades. And uh, we had four F-15Cs uh, flying blue air, and then a handful of uh, F-35s and F-15Cs flying red air. And uh, I was on red air, so I didn't really get to see it. But it turns out the F-35s, when they are flying red air, are not easy to find, and they... They were, uh, they were slitting throats. It was, it was one of those like, yep, we had SA on everyone and this person's dead and also his <laughs> wingman. And it was yeah. like, oof. And then, you know, it's bad for, for everybody who doesn't like, who doesn't fly this stuff. You know, when, when you're red air, the, the end goal should be you die. You know, the blue air finds you, they shoot you. And then the blue air is supposed to win. So when red air will terminate, so they're like, ah, nobody killed me. I'm just going to go fly back and like start over because nobody's killing me and it's kind of getting old now. Uh, <laughs> the 35s did that a few times and, uh, and they luckily, maybe they were repping 35 loadouts cause they probably could have killed more people, but they were like, eh, I'm out of missiles. Yeah. So they just went back. I was going to yeah, say was, the only time I've ever paid attention to radar loadouts is like in the Viper, you just, you know, you shoot a couple of missiles as radar and die. So it didn't ever matter. But in fat Amy, like, you'll as red air shoot a bunch of people and then in the debris they're like did you have that missile I'm like ah, i've never counted before but yeah because you live long <laughs> enough to actually take multiple shots it's kind of yeah and actually run out of missiles yeah you run out of missiles and you gotta go regen or whatever yeah, yeah the uh what's uh sorry real quick for the layman non-pilot what's fat amy hornet f-35 no that's the f-35 oh, yeah F-35. that's right because she's thick she's thick yeah <laughs> she's fun to thick. hang out with though yeah yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, the, the funny thing is, is, uh, which I, I was this close, uh, to actually getting to fight dissimilar BFM high aspect against the 35 and I walk out to my jet and there's a pod hanging off the center pylon and I was like, go. Oh. So they were like, well, you're not fighting the 35. So I got to watch why my IP fought the 35 and I was like, this is really lame. Did this he was... just crush it? Uh, he, I, I've re- never he, fought an Eagle. Yeah, my IP, he ran out of gas pretty quick. So we were, because the whole point I was flying was to knock out uh, knock out a, uh, a tanker square. So we were like, hey, we'll, we'll fight the 35 real quick before we go to the tanker. And, uh, and so the, the F-15C and the F-35C uh, did a high aspect. So where you meet like 
beak to beak, and then you just start fighting uh, mainly in the vertical. And uh, it seemed like it was not going great for the F-35. Uh, <laughs> but then my my IP ran out of gas, so he was like, well, that's it. So, uh, But, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard. I've never fought him, but I've heard that the F-35, once it gets to a visual engagement, does not fare well against most other fighters. Yeah, I don't, probably not. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Most likely an F-15C is going to have bags, right? So maybe what we should really do is fight F-35V, you know, two bags of gas on a C model and then see how we go. See Because my guess is we're going to be okay, right? The thing know. that I've noticed is actually, so, you know, F-16, because I assume you're taking like F-16 knowledge. F-16, you put two bags of gas on that thing and it's, it's a bomb dropper. It's not like a BFM machine. And, yeah. uh. Yeah, that is true. It's a pig. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, so it's not a BFM machine. Uh, turns out the C model, once you get the gas out of the bags, it's pretty much full up. Uh, so you end up like he was too bad yesterday and or the other day. And, oh, yeah, uh, still. Yeah, and it was still owning it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was cool to see. It would been a lot more cool to be in the fight. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of fun and. Um, Turns out, even with uh, ESA radars, the 35 is uh, it's pretty sneaky. Yeah, a little slippery. Yeah. Um, I was talking the other day um, about red air, and, like, you kind of don't, like, it depends, maybe y'all educate me here, but it, it, you don't necessarily want red air to just get in there and, like, kick ass and just take everyone out, <laughs> uh, depending on the exercise. Like, ostensibly, red air should, like, represent a credible reasonable threat um and then of course every now and again just like go off is that kind of are they like set what do you do if you're playing red air do you have like a playbook or do they just say like you know put these other blue air pilots to their limits it depends on the day like uh, i think bender and i have both seen we call it the uh uh the red air superhero you know like the uh that he's like Yeah, like, I'm going to beat you <laughs> yeah. all. And it's like, weird, you know our tactic, so you're going to just, like, do anything <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. to defeat our tactic. So, technically, Red Air should kind of try to, like you said, replicate some realistic, you know, adversary capability tactic, you know, stuff like that, threat, um, rather than just go out and just try to, try. like, the one of the funniest ones was Bender and I, our first squadron, this guy, his Red Air objective a guy in our squadron was named mellow and who was his upgrade and it was just murder mellow's face like that was the only thing they wanted to do that day just kill him and uh sure enough they did because they they just messed with him and uh so that's not really the goal but then when you're doing like continuation training um you'll kind of let red air go a little what we'd call like wild dingo just like Hey, just do what you can, and and I assume the thirty-five bender. Do you guys kind of let Red Air get a little more wily, just because you know your your thirty-fives? Uh, yeah, we try to push it up a little bit. So you, what you want, like Vader said, you want wily Red Air, which means like you want the guys trying within their cuffs, because when you do go out, like you're saying, you you know what kind of threat you're replicating, so you know the limitations, you know their tactics, uh, but you want guys to use those and then try their best to kill you. Like Vader's killed me many times as Raider, and I, you know, like that was the purpose. And I will like try to kill Vader uh, because it's fun. But when you cross over to Raider Superhero, it's when you, 
you start to make decisions based off of, you know, things that they wouldn't know necessarily. Like where Mello is, for instance. Like, you know, he's in that jet, so you're going to, like, run all your tactics to kill that particular person. You know, that that's where you cross the line a little bit. But yeah, yeah, it's the, kind of waste of waste of gas. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes it's just a lot of fun. Like that yeah. probably <laughs> would have been fun to <laughs> murder Mellow's face. Settle personal vendettas on the yeah. battlefield. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> synthetic battlefield. Yeah. Well, and that's one, one of my. You remember? Were you in Torch's Finny Flight in Masao? Remember that one? I don't know if you. Yeah, were. where did... it was just like the dude, we just did like a roving biker gang was the tactic of DCA. Like we... It was like calm out. Yeah, yeah, they weren't allowed to talk on the radios. Blue air. And then Raider had to pick out of a hat different limitations. I don't know if you remember that. Or out of oh, his, no. well, whatever. He like wrote down the little thing. So one of them was like, you can only turn left. So the entire sortie Raider, that what? Raider jet could only turn left the entire time. And one <laughs> was like, you can only shoot if you're upside down or like, uh, just like stupid <laughs> stuff or whatever. So it was not a waste of gas. It was a lot of fun actually. But, uh, yeah. you know, the Raider was doing obviously things that, you know, they wouldn't be limited to. But so sometimes you just go have fun with the Raider. Um, yeah, and yeah, because of course, like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, every now and again, open it up, see, like, if you can really put the blue air pilot, you know, to challenge him, like, push him hundred percent. Yeah, what? almost none of our. I don't know. It might be different for Raider, but we. It doesn't very go very smoothly ever. <laughs> so we do so much training <laughs> when blue air is just supposed to house it, but the way we do it is we always try to make it hard enough to fail basically uh and so there's a couple of times when you will have just slain it and feel really good about yourself but the vast majority of times people die and you know it doesn't look good when you come back and watch you're like Ew. so when i think our we want our training red air to be more difficult than the real ones you know you want your best bad guy to be the training bad guy so whatever you see in the real world is not as bad as that guy so I think that's definitely one of the things where, you know, we, we, de well, we had, again, when Benner and I, our first assignment, there was kind of a, it was a unwritten, not rule, but kind of like a guide from our patch. He said, like, you challenge the title. So when you're red air, you know who blue air is and you like, you know who the best one on blue air is. And you're like, I'm going to do my best again within the cuffs to, to kill him. Because he's yeah. not supposed to die, and he's good. So if I, with limitations, can defeat him, then, like, that's a little feather in your cap. So, yeah, it's it would always, like, I still remember uh, Jikdo, great dude. He was, uh, he was like, putting on his G-suit. He was, like, challenge the title today because he was a <laughs> weapons officer and the a black border weapons officer. So instructor for weapons officer, he was, like, got to challenge the title. Like I got to challenge the guy who is also very capable. So, uh, so I always appreciated that and, you know, kind of brought that along with my, through my career. So Julian, what's, uh, what's some, uh, current events? What do you got going on out there in the innovation world? Dude, current events, current events are tough. Um, it's not gotten any easier out here for the, for the working contractor, the four letter, the four letter word contractors. We're still out here trying to waste the tax. Waste the taxpayer's dollar. Uh, we're trying to make a difference. As a small company, we, uh, and I've talked about this before on here, but we represent like kind of the, uh, a lot of the market has given up on trying to get into the defense space out of Silicon Valley. And I think we represent a company that has, I don't want to speak too soon, but bridged the Valley of Death um, just by sheer will and 
some people forgetting that I exist in the board of the company. Um, and sort of let me, <laughs> let me exist over in a silo. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we represent that pretty well because we are so skewed towards the commercial market. Like our, our private sector side of the business is so much it's like 10 to one, uh, nine to one commercial to, to defense. And so, um, we represent in that way, Silicon Valley, we have, a board of Silicon Valley people. We have executives of Silicon Valley people. Our sales ideology, our like hiring policies, all of our internal stuff, the tools we use, the like software that we use, the way that we coach developers. One kind of actual bad bullet point on that list, the international nature of the, of the company, um, remote first company, um, all of that stuff we fall neatly into this kind of Silicon Valley market. Um, prototypical Silicon Valley medium-sized company, but then uh, we we've stuck with it. You know, there's all these other companies that are like, "What are you doing? Why?" Are, you know, I think a lot of investors are probably telling their companies, "Yeah, if it works out," but for the most part, go with the quick money. Um, and we we stuck with it. We like we really faced adversity um, right off the get-go. We had a small super phase one that didn't go anywhere, and I think that's probably where a lot of companies bow out. Um, we had a super phase two sort of fall on our lap shout out potus lipkin um and we i think we knocked it out of the park and that gave me enough kind of motivation to, to keep going just keep shaking hands keep talking to people keep seeing it was too promising the the reaction we would get from pilots like y'all every time i talk to like a new pilot the reaction was too promising so we just kind of kept kept our head and kept kept moving forward, kept it pushing, and then now we're in with the four two two. I don't know how much it's, I should say, but we're in. We're doing contracts with the four two two fifty ninth out at Nellis. Um, I think that's about as exciting as it gets for a company of our size, with the mission that we're trying to chip in on. Um, and we have another contract, uh, another super phase two, and now we're kind of planting seeds all over the calf. So. Um, Looking good, slow coming. I think, you know, one one major deal that just happened for us was that 42259th contract. So getting in there and working, I don't know how much y'all are aware of all that stuff that they're doing over there, but trying to put, trying to modernize data analytics coming out of the jet for uh, the F-35 and for the rest of the, the platforms. Um, trying to bridge the gap and maybe I'm getting ahead of what they're thinking, but trying to bridge proficiency data across the simulated environment and live flight. Um, so listen to some, one kind of cool thing, Bender, when you were talking about Hill, I was thinking about the diversity of kind of like landscape. Knitter, or it, I don't know if I should pronounce it Knitter or NTTR, but Knitter is like badass, right? It's like the bomb. It's the best of the best, but it's just the desert. It doesn't represent Ukraine, for example. It doesn't represent like mountains, and so um, trying to like see what we can build up, see what the, the USAF can build up. We see what y'all can build up um, on the, on the synthetic side or the simulator side rather. Well, I think uh, a lot of things there, the 422 is awesome because it's, it's operational tests. So it has every MDS. So every fighter type flies out of there. So they all integrate, they all share spaces. Uh, so that's awesome because then you actually get a lot of crosstalk. And then beyond that, they're, they're operational tests, so it's like, how do we help develop 
future tactics? How do we take technology today that we didn't have yesterday that we can use tomorrow? Uh, so it's a great spot, especially for emerging tech uh, data analytics types. And then you can, you're not pigeonholed into one aircraft type, you know, people and other aircraft are getting exposure. Um, and you think, I mean, I would say, and Bender, you can speak to this more is a lot of the legit fights, the real like uh, intense fights are probably happening in the Sims more than anywhere else now, just because like we're running into airspace limitations uh, where we have airspace that are massive and they're not big enough. And so it's, it's difficult with threat emitters and all the things that you can try to replicate. But the reality is like, it's easier just to go in a simulated world and execute. What do you think, Bender? Yeah, the, the highest, I mean, that's obviously the highest end replication for threats that you can get is, I mean, and there's even tiers of simulators. So our simulators yeah. at Hill are, you know, they're pretty good or whatever, but they're fairly limited. And then we actually go TDY to a different place that has like full up simulators that are, um, they just give me the look that worries me. No, <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. Am I crossing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. Uh, but they have like contract red air that, so red air flies simulators against the, so the, Anyway, that usually red air in simulators is just you know it's AI or whatever, uh, so they just do their little thing. But in in the full up, super well modeled, um, high end simulators, there's actually other pilots there that are flying, trying to you know murder your face to go along with the mellow theme or whatever. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it, but that's the best you, you can it, get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's like diverse scenarios, right? You can like drop in a whatever yeah. aircraft right next door completely impossible at that in the real life flight range is that is that's an interesting thing is being in the same damn building important like flying versus a synthetic red um that's just a program just ai versus like there's a guy in the clamshell or whatever the dome 20 feet away uh who's who's flying in the same simulated environment is that that, that makes a difference yeah, it makes it yeah probably the biggest difference. Um, the modeling is also way better, so that that's a huge difference. The, it's way more accurate to what the actual threats can do. But the you know like if you and we've talked about this before, but the best flown F thirty five like if a computer knew all the tactics and all and could fly it to the jet's max performance versus you know a Su thirty five's max performance, you know we have like charts for that like which one's going to win and what environment or whatever. But really none of us fly, you can't fly the fighters like that so it comes down to the human in the cockpit uh and if it's just ai doing it then you don't really get a good feel for the decision making of you know like yeah especially in that 35 we have tactics that are meant to do things to a person not necessarily just the the other airframe and so when there's a person making those decisions in the red air simulator then you get a you kind of see those advantages or some of the disadvantages like oh he you know he didn't react the way I thought he reacted. He did something different and killed me. Oh, that's a good point is like thinking about you're not necessarily just attacking the jet. You're attacking the pilot. Yeah. And we don't, and when we train, we try to, we try to attack the jet. Like when we're like Vader was saying, when we're red air, you know, we try to like make the red air as capable as the jet is capable. But in real life, like fighting a war is super hard. That's why Russia is just like grinding itself against Ukraine without any progress. It, it, It turns out that, you know, it's hard, like warfare is hard, especially, I think, I don't know enough, we'd have to get some actual experts, but the Air Force, like when, 
what has happened between Russia and Ukraine's air force has been pretty eye-opening as far as how ineffective Russia's air force has been against a pretty small and not super, you know, advanced air force in Ukraine. Um, so it, again, it ends up being, it's a really hard thing to do well, and we train as hard as we can to do it well. So I think, you know, hopefully we're as good as we try to be, but if you don't train that way, then you end up being like Russia and you just can't do it. You know, even though you have pretty good technology. It seems like this, um, I'm, I can't stop saying sim recently because it seems like it's finally caught up. It feels like everybody probably, y'all probably knew for like years and years and years that this day was going to come where the sim is damn near as valuable, if not as valuable, if not more valuable than sortie like hours in the, in the cock in life flight um, for training. And it feels like it's gotten there. It feels like some of the sims that I've seen that are on unclass are like, so damn the high fidelity, haptic feedback like really really top-notch stuff um it's just software it's easier it's air-conditioned it's on base like it's so much simpler than flying it when seems th- like it's got it's getting to that point right well i think that's kind of the the problem is that and bender because this is this is a beautiful the beautiful difference between fourth gen fighters and fifth gen fighters is fourth gen fighters one they're they're not getting the money anymore so the sims yeah. don't keep up like right now the sims that I have access to cannot replicate the threat that I fight on a daily basis because we don't put money into them. And the pro- the also the problem with the sim is the sim, it's zeros and ones. So it's like, yeah. unless it's a true AI that like can make, you know, the sun is behind you. So the sun is like glaring on your screen and you're like, I can't see that information. You know, this is maybe this is a fourth gen problem, but there's like radios don't work as well. So it's like, I can't, that person's really weak or right when the picture call happened, telling me where the bad guys were the, it got all garbled, you know? So there's, there's stuff that in the sim you just don't get. Um, so, you know, fighting real people in the sim does help because I think there'll be that human aspect. Uh, but like you said, it's, it's one G it's zero knots. You're not actually pulling G's. You're not up at 40 some thousand feet. Like, you know, getting that weird, like pressure on your eardrums because the environmental control system, that's like keeping your cockpit pressurized is struggling. So you're like trying to fly the jet and shoot missiles, but you're like, is this jet about to have a rapid decompression up here? You know, and, and that's like a fourth gen thing, but all of those things weigh in to like your ability to execute. And then, you know, just that inherent, survival instinct you know you're flying jets and you're like you get super nose low or you get super fast yeah and ten. like those are the things when i'm in the sim i'm just like going wild like i'm not worried about it but yeah. in the jet it's like oh yeah I, I give a few more uh few more brain bites to to the like keep myself alive aspect of it bender do you feel like having flown the viper sims for a long time are the 35 sims like more accurate because you know how the f-16 sim was like king kong compared to the actual jet um it's probably it probably is a little bit more accurate there are definitely some limitations to it still though at least the ones that we use here on the base so then they're not exactly like the jet they can't they don't get updated as quickly as the jets getting updated so you're working off some old older stuff than you necessarily are flying with but it's again it's not exactly accurate but you're right julian like as far as well, what we really use them for is like the just the repetitions. Like, you know, if we were a major league baseball team, the sims are used for like 
doing a you know a hundred grounders and whatever like turning a hundred double plays in the practice so that when you actually get in the game you maybe only turn one double play or whatever but it's just ingrained in you so you know exactly what to do with your fingers or whatever that's what we use yeah. the sims for and that and they're luckily they're that good now that we can start doing you can start to do those things with a lot more stuff than we could like in previous sims um, like in the old days it was mostly for emergency procedures you know, and like little things, but now the avionics are good enough to where you can, you know, the, the avionic, whatever the, oh, I don't know. What do you call it? Bader? I don't know. All the, like the little beeps and squeaks that we do with like our fingers. The, I don't know. What do we, like I don't know. PDI, the hotass pilot functions. vehicle yeah. interface. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Anyway, that's good enough now to where, <laughs> uh, those repetitions matter in the, in the jet, but you can't, there was a time when they were like, oh, you know, we'll just do all F-35 CT. So all continuation of training in F-35. So those are the sorties we're supposed to do per month to stay proficient. You know, they are like, we can just do, you know, 10 simulators and just do two sorties just to get the landing and the takeoff down or whatever. And every pilot's like, that is a terrible idea. And it is. It's an absolutely terrible yeah, idea. Uh, yeah. It's not so that ballsy. good. Yeah, it's yeah. not It's not there. And it probably will never be there because like Vader's saying, like, once you introduce all the real world stuff that happens, like there was a, in fact, it was Vader's jet nine two one at Misawa was this was a peach. super slick, awesome uh, airplane. Uh, but then I don't know what happened to it, but we nine, got shouts at nine two one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we got back from a deployment, so on the deployment, like everybody wanted to fly nine two one because it just slayed. Uh, when we got back home to Misawa. Uh, we would fly with it and it had a gremlin to where anytime you wanted to hear a radio call, it would just like squelch at you. So like I like took off for a red air or a red flag sortie. And of course, like I make my radio call to the ATC to like check in. And then as soon as they start talking, it's like <laughs> until they're done talking, yeah. you're like, yeah. I didn't hear any of that. And so you like <laughs> finally make, you like you make your way to the fight and you're like, this is terrible. And then of course in the fight, you're like picture. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And you can't hear all the important data for that airplane was like unusable. So then it, you had to use like the aux radio with the wingman to find out, you know, what was going on with the fight. Anyway, that stuff happens. Every jet has like little things, every sortie that happen like that. Yeah. And so if you're doing it perfectly in the sim every time, you're never going to figure out how to, you know, how do you manage a fight with all those little limitations that end up happening. Yeah, so you got, dude, you got to do the real like, thing. Yeah. Well, or like, well, I, yeah. For sure. Right now, you got to do the real thing. I guess I, I almost feel like I'm, I'm wrong. Like, y'all have, like, shown me the error of my thinking. Like, it's just, it's not actually still, it's not there yet. Even now, it's not there yet. Um, and second, like, you'd have to introduce screw-ups. You'd have to introduce shit like that to keep it accurate or to keep it useful. You would have to, like, program in failures of comms or, like, glare or something, like, all sorts of crap, like, would have to go wrong in the sim to be even a fraction of accuracy. Well, and it's, and it's all that stuff. It's like, uh, I can't remember where it was, but one of the displays in the F-16 over the years, uh, it would just, it, it was in green scale, if that makes sense. It was supposed to be a color display, but it would only display shades of green. Oh, like the Matrix? Yeah, so you just like hop in the jet and you're like, why is everything green? <laughs> like, okay, Banging I guess. on it. Yeah. Back in the... And that's the thing. Like, there's there's so much of that in flying jets because they're just so complex. And it's like, there, there are so many variables that like on any given day, like Bender was saying, that you just have to have like random issues. Like, 
your radios are weak or your HUD is just like slightly out of focus. And you're like, okay, I guess I just deal with this today. Or, you know, so that's, that's one of the things I, I think the SIM and not to poo poo on the SIM. Cause I think the SIMs have a ton of utility. Uh, I think the SIMs do a bad job because the, oh, the area where they do a bad job is it's kind of objective. Like it, you could, it's understandable once you hear it is there, it's a sterile environment. It is a, perfect replication of what you are attempting to see and i think that's that's the problem like it is the fog and friction of war is exactly there because it's not perfect uh so i think we are moving more into sims by for multiple reasons uh and i think sims are only going to get better and better uh but there will always be a need for the live fly because they see students now coming out of pilot training who nail the sims they're vr trainers and they are perfect because a person is effectively a robot themselves and so when everything goes perfect they handle everything perfectly and bender you probably saw this when you were a fape doing like students when a sortie went exactly as planned they'd be extremely good the moment they had to think on their feet be dynamic like be flexible they would just crumble uh because you know they they hadn't thought through that and they can't couldn't make decisions on the fly ben do you ever see yeah that's really interesting because like you you kind of almost want to teach like you're that's crazy the amount of workload like you got to be a good pilot you got to know all the pvis and DWDWs and all the ground making shit up. Yeah. Like you got to know all the abcs dude and then yeah. but then you also your half of you has to be good at just respond like the unknown like any kind of surprise anything goes wrong like you were talking about the comms were down or scratchy so you had to use auxiliary like problem solving kind of deal not only are you master of the jet but then you got to problem solve i would like to know how they could replicate i would like to get in on like you were saying you're never scared in the in the sim because you know it's not going to crash into the ground i would that that's like a challenge. I think you could scare the hell out of pilots in this. I would like to get in on that. Somehow scare the crap out of pilots when they're in like a controlled yeah. JSE at Pax River or whatever, just going there with a mask on, scare the crap out of people. <laughs> well, that's something. A, get that. Get the blood up. The, you uh, put a little ben, lever that just punches you right in the crotch. Yeah, if you screw <laughs> around yeah. or something, yeah. it's like. <laughs> well, I actually yeah. I talked to a company. We could talk offline about it, but uh, I talked to a company who's trying to do exactly that. Like, give you the tactile feeling like the actual physical like uh, feeling of doing like when you pull G's in the jet, you feel it in the sim. Like when you're doing all this, like you're going to experience it. Um, but yeah, why I not? Think, right. Why not? Well, it, it got that's the cost. next frontier is. Yeah. yeah. But, but then your sims are now just as expensive to run as the flights, you know? So that's like, you yeah. run into that. Like we want a high quality simulator that is cheap enough to use nonstop. Uh, and I, you know, you run into that. Bender, do you have any of those sims where you'd like, uh, you try to eject, you're doing like emergency procedures <laughs> and like the engine fails and you pull the ejection handle to try to get Nothing out happens. and the, it doesn't eject you. So you just see the ground like, and you're yeah. like, oh man, like that was a mini heart attack. Like, holy cow. Yeah. Cause, cause you do get like ingrained into the scenario and, and yeah. There are times when like you get that ground rush where the earth is just rushing at you and you don't, you can't get out of the sim and you're like, not my favorite, not a good, you don't see your whole life flash before your eyes, but you see like 
Just a little bit. 20 minutes or something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it's true. It's like the, well, that just reminds me of the, like, when when we're flying, like, you don't realize how fast you're going, obviously. But then every once in a while, there'll be, like, these big, thick clouds that are super well-defined on the edges. You know what I mean, Vader? And then all of a sudden, like, you get close to one of those, and you're like, like, we're moving. Like, holy crap, that thing, you know, it feels like you're about to hit a wall, but it's obviously it's clouds, so it's not going to do anything. But anyway, yeah, a lot of that, like, spatial... You know, you don't get that feel, obviously, in the sim super well. But honestly, in the air, sometimes you don't get that feel either, like ground rush and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah, the sims yeah. have a place. You have to have them. Like, if there was a squadron that got to fly 20 times a month, an F-35 squadron, but same with all fighters. But if they flew, if they had enough money to fly 20 times a month with, like, full up, like, big wolves or whatever, they still wouldn't be as good as the squadron that had that only flew 10 times a month, but also got to do the 10 sims for the high end. Again, to be able to test all the... The uh, you know to do all the things that maybe you can't do airborne or whatever. So you have to have both. And so you're right there. Like thank goodness they're getting good enough to where they are value added. You know you have to have them. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like the job of somebody I don't know, but JSE or whatever to to kind of determine where what are the things that the sim is really important for. But it's always going to be a mix. Like making that complementary handshake between life flight and sim training the right stuff. This is so apropos because it's something I've been thinking about a ton. Um, I just can't like stop banging my head against the wall thinking, how did it get to this point? The I found out recently that the manufacturers for the jets, and maybe, I, don't quote me on this, but I'm, I'm saying this on the internet. Uh, but yeah, quote me on this. Uh, the, <laughs> Pull the tape. The manufacturers get, like they've monopolized the sim for their jet so x company that manufactured the f-15e strike eagle we won't name names we'll say slowing is the company and they uh they get to make the sim for that jet type and that is crazy i think in like the 90s or something that made sense but now with simulators being so important and so much better so much high fidelity like all the stuff we've been talking about even even as they're not quite the jet, but like as they sort of asymptotically approach live flight, um, it's it's like a new aircraft. It's like a new it's like a new platform. It, it's crazy to think that the prime that manufactured the jet gets first crack at the sim. It they have not proven they might be the right people for the job, but they've not proven that they're the right person for the job just by making the jet. It's it's a totally different thing. And I think in the 90s or early 2000s or something, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was so close and Sims were so shitty that it was fine. But now it's such a different animal. It's crazy to me that they get like first crack at creating the Sim. They need to bring in young companies that are like 100% focused on modeling and simulation. This is all we do is F-35 Sim or all we do is Raptor Sim, whether it's the scenario or the actual hardware. All that stuff is so divorced, in my opinion, from from the manufacturer. It really, it, it bothered me as like a taxpayer, not only like a person in the industry who's obviously trying to swim upstream as a small company, but like, what the hell? Like, that's crazy that they get to do the sim just because they did the jet. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, I think one of the one of the problems you run into there, and Bender, you know, give me I'd like to hear your input, is it's it's all proprietary. You know, it's like their flight modeling, it's their like when you're in the jet, the way the jet displays to you your weapons engagement zone, whether it's an air-to-air missile or an air-to-ground bomb or whatever, your your all of that is like proprietary. So it's like you you would spend a fortune just buying the access to the software to replicate what they what the company does. Uh, and and I agree because because our problem is we ask these massive aircraft builders to be you know, you build aircraft, I want you to build software, and I want you to build, you know, like human factors equipment, and I want you to build sims. And then you run into the problem where you have a company whose job it is, is not to do sims, they're building sims, and they're updating sim software. And you're like, why is the hardware and software trash in our sims? And why is it super slow and cumbersome to get them updated? Because a company who doesn't work sims is making your sims. So I totally agree. I think the problem is that how do they, how do you get a true replication of the live fly or the the flight character characteristics yeah. they'd have to work together i agree you can't just do it they yeah. can't like retrofit it to they can't like you know figure it out and kind of retroactively fit it to an accurate representation of that 35 they've got to work together and i i just can't i can't there's not it's not like that would bankrupt like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to beep out the companies, but like, it wouldn't yeah. bankrupt Lockheed to have some other company like share notes and get the access to the OFP and get access to the like how they've you know built it out. There's no way. There's got to be a way for for everybody to make money and everybody to go home happy. What pisses me off is, and now I'm, I'm going to really try to not go on a rant here, but like, okay, it's not the same. I like I I hear people complain all the time about Intuit. It's tax season. So everybody's like, oh, Intuit lobbies the government to keep taxes difficult so that they can like make money. That is crazy. <laughs> like that, if that's true, I don't know anything about taxes. But if that's even close to true, obviously that's like insane. I don't think lives are getting ruined off of that though, right? Like that's a pain in people's ass. That's about it. Maybe like one person dies from that per year, but it's not like huge. The the defense version, like that trickles down some. Warfighter actually ends up with a shittier product because of these like contract negotiations 20 steps backwards. And, you know, that's nuts. That like, it's not this sort of hypothetical anymore. Oh, it's, you know, tax season's a pain in the ass. If you end up with a like worse product because Lockheed's going to take like five years to produce a, a better one, what the hell, man? Like, who's, what, what are we doing? That's, it's war, right? It's not like a, it's not for fun. It's not, we're not just doing push-ups. It's like, a, this is like, there's a real life consequence, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. The, uh, that reminded me of that when you said not like doing push-ups, that Kenny Powers quote where he's like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm an athlete. I'm not trying to be the best at working out. The, <laughs> I'm not uh, trying to be the best at working out. Yeah. Or exercising, whatever he said. <laughs> yeah, I would love but, for this to be just a Kenny Powers focused podcast. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All of the Lord of the Rings, uh, yeah. comparisons I made last yeah. time. Let's change those over to, yeah. Yeah. Kenny Powers. The, uh, but yeah, I, I think the problem is that 
It's also our acquisitions. It's the way we ask for things uh, because, and Julian, we were talking about this right before we recorded, is that operators, myself, Bender, the rest of the fighter pilot group, none of them, the vast majority do not want to go do the non-flying job to sit at the Pentagon or sit at some numbered Air Force uh, or lettered Air Force like ACC or PACAF and say, buy this, don't buy this. You know, this is this is trash software. We need better stuff to give that end user feedback. So what we have is acquisitions officers who have no idea the end users desires, goals, whatever. They don't know what they're buying. They don't know what they're asking for. And then when they get told like, hey, this is good by these companies, they're like, okay. And then they just buy it. And then we get it. And we're like, this is trash. This is 20 years old. Why is this on our jets? Uh, and so it, it's a bigger problem than just the primes, but it's also the fact that we don't have a good apparatus to compete. Because apparently the Navy a long time ago, which I hate giving, uh, giving attaboys to the Navy, but they embedded contracting and ops. And now you have like a major experienced guy uh, or whatever the Navy would call a major uh, and a contractor work together. So a contractor does not work in a vacuum when they're buying stuff. Uh, and turns out the Navy, I mean, mids, the updates, like uh, Link 16 terminals, like it, it, the list goes on and on. The Navy beats the Air Force at acquisitions almost 100% of the time. And you're like, dang it. Uh, is it true, though, terrible. that they've got, they've got, like, yeah, it's insane, first of all. But uh, is they do have, from what I understand, a like a prioritization of they want it to be like from from the government. The Navy wants products that are like homegrown and that's probably a mistake as well. That's like, that's not quite the solution. I don't, I don't know what it is, but like that, the internal in-house like does think up some awesome stuff, Q-Rip, but uh, it's not reliable. You can't, that's not like the job of the, the warfighter. Yeah. Unless you're going to hire all those people and pay them gobs of money to come up with cool tech. But if you're not going to do that, you have to leverage Silicon Valley to do exactly what they do and think of cool things. That's an interesting point though. Like bring like structurally, like changing the system. So that's like the operator has to be in the, you know, in the room, so to speak for acquisitions. That, that's a, like a hell of a step in the right direction. They're not represented in the USAF. And the funny thing is that's like, that's what DARPA does. That's what every innovation company like yourself and all the others are like, we want end user feedback. And then our contracting office is like, no, no, you're fine. It's like Air Force PA. It's like they do it on purpose, getting the jets wrong. You know, it's a, like, are you trying to do a bad job? Or, you know, Bender, what were you going to say? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, I okay. agree with everything that has <laughs> Disregard. been said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd I cut mean, you it's off. Such so. a, it's such a beast. Like, we, you got to, I mean, I don't understand. I have so many spears to chuck. I don't even know who to chuck them to. And they probably have good reasons for the way that it is, but... You know, that doesn't mean it's a, like you're saying, like the primes, the primes are a problem. Like there's no doubt, like they got their claws like 18 inches deep into the flesh of the beast of the budget. You know what I mean? Like, and they always will. There's nothing we can do about it. Maybe there is. I don't know. Um, but every time we have the cool thing about this podcast for me so far has been like, I've been able to hear perspectives from different parts of the process or whatever. And the crappy part about that is like, there's nobody to chuck a spear at because like everybody's got... Somebody else, like for somebody, it's somebody else's problem. And then for that person, it's somebody else's problem. It's just a beast of a, of a deal. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I don't know. I think there are some things we, we should have somebody on that knows better than me, but they, 
like you were saying, Julian, like the fact that the, you know, Lockheed Martin owned all the rights to all the, you know, like not only did they build the airplane, the airframe, the vehicle, but they also own all the mission systems or whatever, which is all the code and all the software that goes to it. And so it just took us forever to get anything updated because Lockheed had to do it all. Like, whereas there's, there's these little companies that have like quick fixes. They exist. It's an easy plug and play, but they can't touch it because Lockheed owns it all or whatever. So I think there's good pushes that they're, they're trying to get away from that. I think they call them open OFPs or something. Vader, maybe you remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and so hopefully there are ways of kind of get, of getting away from, you know, that model to where, uh, we can be more agile as far as like what we can do with airplanes. Cause an F 16, I mean the, the airframe is so good. Like it was so good in seven, whatever, 1970 It's still really awesome. And so if we can just quickly update the stuff that's inside it, you know, it can be a viable airplane for, you know, 20, 30 more years. Um, yeah. Anyway, so hopefully there are good things happening. There are definitely frustrating things that, again, when we do this, I'm like, you know, it's just like frustrating that, you know, you just bang your head against the wall. Like, why is it like that? Like, why do we have to suffer through that? Yeah, I, I think some of it's accidental. I, I agree with you. I don't think there's like, I, I typically resist the sort of urge to be like, oh, there's some room of dudes laughing at, uh, you know, wearing suits, laughing it up, counting money. Usually not. Usually it's like an accident. This is just sort of like a painful existence or whatever. But like some of it, certainly blocking, like gatekeeping. I would call it gatekeeping. I come back to that word a lot. Some of it's purposeful and some of it is sinister. That like inability to, like even the contract vehicles being like structured in a way that benefits the original prime. It, that, that's just bullshit. And it, in any other sphere, where it's like, whoop, whoopsie daisy, that's just good business. Like, sorry that you got suckered. Don't hate the player, hate the game. No problem. Whatever. I agree with you. Like, good on you. Prime contract, massive, in, you know, $2 billion company, whatever, for crushing the, the little man. But in the event that the warfighter, the people protecting the damn wall, are getting a lesser product, what are you doing? Like, who? what are you doing? Whose side are you on if you're, like, trying to strategically structure these contracts so that nobody else ever gets you know foot in the door. That's well, think- that's fucking nuts. That's great when you when suddenly the stakes are like American warfighter live. Not to sound like Patriot lip service bullshit or whatever, but like, dude, this isn't just like a fun. Oh, we made more money than y'all, or we quelch the competition. If some like guy is literally guy or girl is like literally going to get a shittier product in the battlefield, what what are we doing? What what the hell is the motivation there? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, one, a perfect example of this is, uh, like we talked about like weapons. So the people who build the planes are not the people who build the weapons, but the people who build the weapons are not going to give all of their internal data on exactly how the weapons work. So then the people who build the plane just have to kind of guess at how good the weapons are. So the people who build the plane build the software and tell you, Hey, this far away, you can shoot this missile. But the people who build the missile are like, yeah, you might be able to shoot farther, farther, maybe, maybe not, you know? And you're like, you guys can't work together. Like we can't figure out a way that we know yeah. exactly how good this is. Uh, and maybe they don't know inherently cause there's not enough testing. Cause again, it's at the end of the day, it comes down to money. Like all of these primes and a lot of companies like your, yours, like they can build amazing tech. And then the government just runs out of money and they're like, well, we can't afford you know, the spinner rim. So we're just, we're just going to go with like the cloth seats on this one. Uh, and, and maybe that's, 
the way the way the things work. But you know, I I think there is definitely money wasted, and there are definitely opportunities taken. I would assume because uh, I mean these are these are public companies, right? Like they're they're taking yeah. care of their shareholders. You shifted gears and tried to blame the government there for Lockheed getting greedy. That was cool of you. Yeah. I mean, you can, yeah, you can, <laughs> I don't I don't blame them. You know, it is. <laughs> they're like, yeah. sorry that we've monopolized this entire area, but. Uh, Acquisitions are just so unpredictable. Well, Blame Congress. <laughs> well, I think it was uh, Paco Benitez who said it. I think it was in the Clinton era when uh, it was like tons of companies. There were like 30, 40 different companies doing all of these different things. You know, it was, they were building planes and motors and this. And then they came in and were like, hey, however you're going to do it, you figure it out. Five of you will. We're going to pay five of you. And that's why it's like, um, was it Lockheed Martin? It was uh, Martin something, and now it's Lockheed Martin, and or Northrop and Grumman, and and like the companies just were like, is that why uh, they're all hyphenated? <laughs> well, yeah, but that's probably, what, and yeah. I, I'm probably totally wrong on these, but I know what they did. It was like there's 20 of us. Some are just gonna fall off. Some are gonna get bought up, and then others are gonna merge. And so they were like, well, we all need to keep getting fed. So like, how do we best do that? We just work together now. And then instead of having this like legitimate fight, like it's just odd that we're like, okay, Lockheed Martin builds this one. Okay, Boeing builds that one. Like we bought a bunch of planes from Lockheed Martin. So we're going to buy a bunch of F-15 yeah. EXs from EXs, Boeing. That's, they yeah. are not good for the, the fight. Well, they're, they're fine. Like they got a ton of missiles or whatever. But EXs yeah. don't exist because they're going to help us tactically. That's not why they're, you know, they're not bringing us because we need, we need their capabilities. They're bringing them because... They need someone else to build a fighter. Otherwise, Lockheed will forever own fighters, you know, right. in, in the United States or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. And, like, I do think, so, yeah, I'm with y'all. Like, I, I want to start screaming and stuff like a, like. No, no, we got to start screaming. There are, I'm ready to start screaming. Let's start screaming. <laughs> there are, there are, like, excuses. I think some sometimes there are excuses, and I don't want to be one of these, like, sacks of shit that's just like oh whoa don't be greedy like all right we're dealing with humans like you can you can account for like there is going to be some sort of capitalist edge here but at the same time there is a friggin' red line right at and i'll, I'll help the pentagon draw it if they want like it is right at the warfighter getting a shitty product here's another red line for you if the data recorder that you licensed to the air force sucks and is huge and takes up as much room as this bed then like the guy at the air force invents a small one and it fits in the cockpit and it's much smaller much more efficient and then you sue the air force for going with that one there's a red line there's a, i'll tell you that's a red line right that can't be excused to just like oh we have to deal with congress and oh acquisition cycles are unpredictable and oh we're trying to make money and grow as a company and support the warfighter not if you're suing like that, uh, there are some absolutes where it's like, this has gone too far. Some of it is like, you can chalk it up to, it's tough. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a dog eat dog world or whatever, but like, no, nah, man, there's, there's some hard and fast red lines and they've, I think they've stepped way over. Yeah. yeah I, I want to hear about those red lines. Cause we're not happy about it. Like Vader and I aren't happy. Like that things are subpar. Like I'm pissed. I mean, we got a Chinese missile brief, which, you know, I'm going to be real careful with this, but. The amount, I don't know when the AIM-120 came out, like the AMRAM, but it was a long time ago. It was before I joined the Air Force. Well, uh, the first kill, right, was like a decade before I joined. I thought they anyway, were yeah. shooting them. Well, it wasn't destroyed. I think it was like 
Northern Watch or something. But anyway, okay. the AMRAM has been around for a long time. Guess what Vader and I are carrying right now on my fifth gen SICK airport. It's an AMRAM. Do you know how many missiles China has come up with in the last 10 years? It is insane. And they don't spend even a fraction of the money that we spend on that kind of development. And we got nothing, yeah. nothing to show for it. So, I mean, it, it is, I mean, it's, it's infuriating and it's gonna, I mean, we're going to die. Like people like me are going to die because of that. Yeah. Uh, fifth gen yeah. Fighter. Yeah, fifth gen. Yeah, it's fifth not, gen it's guys. Not taxes. <laughs> it's not fun. Like, oh, you made it harder for me to do my taxes. It's it, the warfighter gets a lesser product. That's insane. I don't know how. Now we're really shifting gears, but I don't know how like a fascist country like because that's the benefit, right? China gets to be like, oh, sweet, crowdbotics. Your data uh, analytics tool kicks the shit out of the one that Chinese Boeing gave us five years ago. So now you work for the government. Good, good on you. Good service to the empire or whatever like that that's pretty sweet from a military standpoint that they get to do that that they get to just be like you are part of the government you're part of the government and thanks very much for your service uh but i don't know how how do you balance that with like external motivation of private of the private sector because like we only exist because there is no threat of the government doing that i guess not only exist yeah well, that's the yeah. sucky part. Like China gets well, that's the a tricky of both. part. You know? Yeah, I mean, they get our innovation, which they take and then they improve yeah. on. <laughs> they don't do any of the R and D, right? Like we do that all. Like we spin our wheels, we spend all our money on it. They grab it and then they, you know, make ten variations well, that's of the it. same thing, but better. And because anyway, so it's. But a lot of that it seems like is not greed based, but like a lot of companies in the United States are doing business with China because I mean, there's money to be had there, but that makes us vulnerable to giving up a lot of this technology. A fascist free. company can only exist and thrive if there's like another non-fascist company. That's right. Capitalist. On yeah. the same network that they can hack. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that's, that's like a lot of the reality of it is that they, the, the money that, that China has used to build all this, to prop up their entire economy is most likely from us investment. Because the U.S. doesn't say, private company, you can't invest in a 12% return from one, you know, from China. So they do. And then China takes that money and then builds these crazy technologies. And you're like, well, if, if we wanted to be like China, we would say you can't do those things. But we don't want to be like China. So we have to be, we have to be better in other ways. You know, we have to, we have to beat them. And I think the, the 35 is a perfect example of... We get in our own way. Like we let people ruin the F-35 because the F-35 as we know it today was not the original one to roll off the roll off the production line. But the Marines said, because it's going to be a joint strike fighter, which we've had joint strike fighters in the past, which was kind of a flop, which is the F-4. And the Marines said, no, we need vertical land. So everybody knows who listens to this podcast. The F-35 does not have the vertical takeoff capability. It has a short field takeoff capability, and only the F-35 Bravo has that capability and has vertical land. The F-35 is thicker than it would have been because of the lift fan in the Bravo. Like, there is so many limitations that the F-35 deals with today because of the Bravo variant, which is one of the smallest buys out of all of them. And the Marines don't even want it. They want the C models more uh, because they only wanted a few. They wanted, like... Hey, we need two F-35B squadrons, but most of it is going to be F-35C squadrons. So the A and the C like have to deal with the fallout from the B 
And that's not acquisitions. That is Marine leadership saying this will happen and no one else telling them no. And so Lockheed, what the hell? That's what I mean. And we do that stuff. Like the T7 is another example where the the consumer, the 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 customer kept changing what they wanted. So Boeing kept building them what they wanted and the price tag just balloons and balloons. And it's like, stop, just, just ask for something realistic. But it, it's a, I would love to pin everything on the primes. And I think there is a lot to, to deal with like a, some fallout there. But the, as the consumer, the DOD does not do themselves any favors when they say, we're going to buy 600 Raptors. And then they buy, they cut the order to 200 and something. And then they turn around and they say, we're going to buy 4,000 F-35s. And then they're probably going to get nowhere near that. And then every major purchase, the B-2, the F-22, the probably the F-35 and probably the B-21 are all going to have like cut purchases because they don't, they don't want to spend the money. And we don't have a long enough vision to just stay true to the original plan. So if we had 600 Raptors right now, like, I mean, we've talked about this before, like we would not be as worried today. If we did have 4,000 F-35s, we wouldn't be worried about EXs or aging fleets because we have plenty of advanced new fighters, but I don't think we're ever fixing it. Like one more beer and I'm going to start talking hardware. Like I know (laughs) what the hell I'm talking about with jet (laughs) manufacturing, but like, okay. Like the equivalent in software is you build an MVP and you can add on to it. And I realize hardware is different, but like, it's funny that I just (laughs) breezed past that. Hardware is different. Yeah. (laughs) Hardware is way different. That's like a, let's focus on that. But like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't change the scope. Don't change the product's requirements document midstream. Just roll off an MVP version of the jet and then add stuff to it. I don't know. Maybe they're just not modular enough. Maybe I just have zero idea what the fuck I'm talking about when it comes to hardware. But like, damn, dude, you don't need that. If if it's so different than the original spec, then it's a new jet. And that's fine. Just get a new. Maybe that exterminates this massive problem of like every jet is a 30 year or 40 year investment. The F-35 is not new, right? It's old and it's like the newest and latest and greatest. So. We're Maybe not. you just move on to a new jet. Maybe that it, you get what you get, and then the next version, okay, we'll we'll do vertical land and takeoff capability. That's no longer the F-35 then. We're talking about a new jet. Well, I mean, that's that's what we've always done. We've said, like, hey, you know, do you want the, like, was it XF-16 or the XF-17? And the Air Force bought the XF-16, turned, turned in the F-16, and then the XF-17 turned into the F-18, that the Navy bought because the Navy was like, I don't want the, what the Air Force wants. We have different requirements. So they bought their own thing. But instead of letting everybody buy the jet they wanted, they wanted one common jet, which I think the commonality of parts between all three F-35s is like 17% like common parts. So the, there you it, go. Exactly. It's, it's different wings. It's different. I mean, I'm talking like I know Bender, you actually fly the darn thing. But the, yeah, I probably know less than you, to be completely honest. But. <laughs> That's terrible. 17%. Gosh. But, but I believe I'm it. so glad you said it's under 50% because I was sitting here like, oh, oh man. God. Way under. ruined my credibility, but, dude. I don't know what I'm talking about. But you look at, and the 35 is exactly that. The 35 is a, it's an MVP. The first F-35s that rolled off the, like, over the line are not going to be the ones we take to war. Those were like, 
oh, cool, look at us, fancy F-35. And then those are just going to get like probably boneyarded like they're doing with the early Raptors. And then now we're talking about the Block 4 F-35, which is like the next generation of 35s. So there's like this iterative process. Like you said, hardware is different, but it's it's also the same. Like they're doing exactly well, then, that with the 35. And now let, let's do it. Let's take the fucking mask off let's just yeah. let's let's us three dudes start talking hardware uh why 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 is the first version v1 of the f-35 rolled right off the line not combat capable there that might be a problem then if the original spec the original scope of that product was insufficient that seems like a point of attack more than like well, whatever the hell i was bitching about it's a but it's a software thing so hardware the F-35, my understanding, Bender, maybe you can talk to it. Maybe I'm getting out of my lane. But the uh, Bender, do you want to feel this Why does one? it take so much iteration post-production, Bender? Uh, I, I, we'd have to have we, – we did a podcast with Billy Flynn, who was the Lockheed Martin's test pilot for it, River, and he, he's going to be mad if he listens to this. <laughs> he always gets mad at me when I just like make stuff up, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm sorry, uh, Bill. I'm sorry, Bill. Damn it. <laughs> I shouldn't have gotten outside of data analytics, dude. Uh, <laughs> no, it's good. We, we got to have old Billy – uh, correct the record. We will, I'm sure, at some point. But yeah. uh, right, I think Vader, you probably remember, but he, you know, they just needed to get it off the line, right? Like that was the because of what? the pressures of like we don't have a long term strategy, right? So you know, it a was jet like needed to be kicked off the line so that that Congress it could justify the budget, you know, the, how much money we paid for, basically. And it's it was not capable. It couldn't do. It couldn't descend at a like a reasonable rate. So like, and it couldn't pull any G's. It was, if it got struck by lightning, it was going to explode into a bazillion pieces. Like all those things came with the first jets. And so, and the, those jets are not, you know, the first couple hundred F 35s will never be combat airplanes because they just were made that way. So they were like built to be the platform that we'd then build off of. But even if we order 1,800 of these things or however many we're supposed to have, you know, 200 are not going to be useful to us. We're going to scrap them or whatever or make them into red air or whatever we end up doing. And well, I, anyway, I, I, again, there's so many source issues with the whole thing and smarter people than me can opine on it, but yeah, I'm it's sorry screwed up. This down this, this no, lane. it's good. Y'all, well, I think, <laughs> I, I think it was, it up. yeah, I think it was a knee jerk reaction to the F-22 because the F-22 is the opposite. We will not roll one off the factory until the F, it's entirely combat capable. And so what they did was waited and waited. And the 1990s technology like finally came out in the like 2006s, but really like really wasn't there until like the 10s and 12s. And so we're talking, we're almost 20 years deep in the Raptor. So like talk about how technology like doubles every 18 months or whatever that like law is. But now you're 20 years in and you're like, cool, the jet's ready to start fighting. So I think standard response is like idle or max AB they just said like, okay, we're going to do the exact opposite. We're not going to wait for it to be perfect. We're just going to get close and then we're just going to update it. Because I mean, even now, F-16s, F-15s, F-35s, F-22s, every jet in anywhere from like a couple months to a year is getting a new operating system with new capabilities, new tech, all that. So so everything is always getting updated. But yeah, the the fact that it's rolling off the line, like not able to do fighter things is is, I would say a foul. But again, it was like a knee-jerk reaction to just the the previous failures of the last jet that they bought which was the f-22 that we cut 
in what 2012 because sequestration and you know government ran out of money so they're like well future us may be mad but today it makes a good idea you know frustrating yeah yeah it is frustrating luckily it's some it's not a goose and gander sort of deal like not everything's that complicated so i maybe i'm walking it back a little bit and i already stuck my neck out (laughs) trying to talk the the problems of manufacturing a jet but uh not everything's that complicated i i it doesn't have to be you can at least with software you can roll out a version of the product that meets the spec that meets the mission need that enables a warfighter and then iterate on it based on some minor iteration i would say like a little little iteration well i think the the um uh shoot uh scar the from um blue force technology scar like they said like they are doing exactly that blue force is the the hardware like the shells and all the equipment side and then they're working with other people on like the power plant and the software and all that like uh, I think Nick, Nick, uh, Nicholas, uh, Chalin or Shalane, I don't know how to say it. Julian, you know, him. uh, Jalane, Jalane. Is French. You gotta, there it is. Yeah. Frenchy. I'm a big, deep, deep, deep. Well, yeah. I'm American. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> but the, uh, but he, he had a great point of like each, each organization builds what they're experts at. Like you are an expert at building a flying machine, leave a space for a computer that an expert computer building company will make to fit in that space. And then a software company will put software on that. And that's what I think kind of what you're probably getting at is like these primes need to be less primes and more a conglomeration of we build exquisite tech because all of us are experts in our field and we bring all that together because the sum of all of our parts is more than us individually. So I don't know. Yeah. And like you can still make money. You can still make a ton of money. I, I, I cannot be convinced that like you lose out if you do it that way. If you bring in some specialist, maybe I know it's like such a crazy. It goes completely against a lot of my philosophy, but like potentially there needs to be like a clause or something that mandates the the tip top layer or the partnership between a prime, a very trusted prime, and a brand new tiny little company that's like a specialist. They're not brand new, but like ex- expertise, tiny little niche, you know, company like Crowdbotics to do something very, very specialized on top of a company that is gamed the damn system, like really, really good at contracting, has contract vehicles in place already, um, can move through paperwork, like knife through butter, can really like, you know, roll out shit, um, hand in fist with the government, hand in glove with the government but can't deliver on like a data analytics app. Maybe, maybe I don't want to mandate shit. I don't want to tell anybody how to do like private sector contracting, but like maybe, maybe you want to encourage this sort of relationship between tiny and huge. Yeah. Well, and I think speaking of Paco, he's like optimistic. I talked to him. uh, It's been about a year, but I talked to him a little while ago and he was, he was saying he thinks it's going that way. So. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's good movement. I mean, the stuff that you guys are doing, like Crowdbox, I don't know, like that's some of the first podcasts that we had, right? I mean, it's exciting for us to hear that there are there is movement going on in things that we care about as as far as end users go. And then, you know, it's not ideal, obviously, yet. And it probably could never be as fast as we want it to be um, because of a lot of systemic 
uh, kind of limitations. But at least there is movement going the right direction. It feels like hopefully more movement in the right direction than there is, you know, stonewalling that stops it. But I don't know. I guess we'll we'll find out. But it, it is interesting, like the like you're saying, the big companies. I think it's the innovators' dilemma. You probably know Julian way more than I do, but that's like one of the, um. Anyway, it's some business thing that I read about in a book, and I don't know well enough in to like book. to. Anyway, I read a book and it talked about the innovators' dilemma. Right, <laughs> this big business. Like once you get to a prime, yeah. like risk is not you know it's not acceptable anymore. Like right, so yeah. all incentives for them are to completely stiff arm any risk and to just like keep feeding the you know their investors their their nice little you know, quarterly return or whatever. Whereas you guys are willing to take a ton of risk because we need things to be different or whatever. And there's no, right now, hopefully we bring that back. Those kind of companies can fill the gap as we start to, to bring them up. But right now, or at least for the past, totally. however long, like that has not been a part of, you know, the way that the military the, gets their if stuff. If the primes are risk averse, good Lord, the government's like two X risk averse. Like that, if, if, effectiveness and efficiency way down on the bottom of the list the risk the 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 contracts are written such that get as as little risk as possible and one fringe benefit or i don't know if it's a benefit or a disaster but like barrier to entry is pretty high for companies barrier to exit is even higher and especially with like covid you're it's status quo baby like we're do not shed, do not look for new bids, do not look for new products or software tools. It is outright, even with services, even with services defense contractors, it's like, stick with what we got. The barrier to exit is enormous for the DOD. Yeah. Well, and I think we've, we had, I, I think your idea for having some sort of contracting requirements, you know, there's already like disabled veteran requirements. There's, you know, small business requirements. There's, there's, contract requirements i can't imagine that one more requirement would make the entire thing topple you know so having the ability to say hey primes and these innovation companies which we're spending money on as well work together to make the best possible tech and on that yeah all right that way very yeah. can edit that out later yeah that's right mark the clip take care of that post yeah, jamie yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, man. yeah, I don't know, man. Right. I, don't, I don't know if that's like the solution um, to just nurse the hell out of Silicon Valley. It can't be. I don't I don't have that much respect for Silicon Valley, but like the banks are good. Though, that, so that's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? The weather? The weather's pretty sweet. No, the banks. I said the see? banks. The banks are good. The banks there, so are like least... top notch, dude. They just can't break them. You can do a, <laughs> yeah, try to do a run true. on them. You do anything you can do. <laughs> Bring in crypto. Psh, rock solid baby like no problem right. um yeah I, I i don't want to be like oh you know disruption 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 it's a young man's game get to get the new upcoming companies in here to do the specialized work there's not necessarily a reason that the old guard like companies that have really gamed the system or whatever can't stay in the game you, you need that you need like that it, it's a tough and it needs to be tough uh acquisition cycle but there's got to be room to still make billions of dollars hand over fist and bring better products like out, you know, from specialist. Really, what we're talking about is specialist expertise stuff that yeah. like is not just easy to do. It's specialized either AI or ML, data analytics, data science kind of crap uh, is a good representation of it. 
there's got to be a way for somebody to still make billions of dollars and bring in a product. And again, my, my red line is like, how dare you monopolize a contract or monopolize an area of contracting for money if it's going to roll down to a dude who literally doesn't get a product that they need and gets killed for it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think this isn't an insurmountable challenge. This isn't, it's not some sort of black box where like, Oh, it's so complicated. You don't understand. It is complicated and I don't understand it, but bullshit. Like you, you expose yourself when you start suing the government for inventing a better, much cheaper fraction of the cost you know, product instead of buying your $29 million, $25 million a pop product. Like, okay, now you've exposed, like, there, there is a crack in the system or whatever. That, that's bullshit. Yeah, total foul. Well, it doesn't surprise me that a, a big company would kind of lose sight of the end goal because, you know, at some point it just, people just become numbers or cogs or whatever analogy you want to use. But we got we to gotta skedaddle because we're, we're getting late in the day. Uh, Sweet. But, yeah, Julian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, go ahead and give everybody your uh, contact info so uh, all the Lockheed execs who listen to the podcast can <laughs> yeah, reach out. <laughs> exactly. Here's my address and social, so if you have yeah. a white van, windowless van, you can shove me into it. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, my name's Julian. Um, my opinions are my own. I don't want this to reflect poorly on the company or anything. I work for a small company called Crowdbotics. We are doing data analytics for USAF. I don't want to say like pigeonhole us into one type of thing. But so far we're doing fighter jet data analytics, um, some debrief functionality, but some trend analysis and tactics development, hopefully. But in general, I think modernizing data across the DOD is necessary and we could be a contender or at least chip in to help out there. Um, my name's Julian. If you'd like to reach out and talk about that, uh, Julian at crowdbotics.com, crowdbotics, like robotics, um, and Julian, J-U-L-I-A-N. Um, yeah, hopefully I did not screw. I know I spoke out of turn, so I, hopefully I didn't mess up y'all's reputation. Sorry, Billy. We don't have one. Billy, wherever you That's are. Right. <laughs> uh, no, we're good. One. And I'll have Julian's email in the, uh, in the show notes, if you'd like down at the bottom and remember, uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think of our new hats. Bender's got the seven, uh, seven panel hat, which uh, I'm super jelly about. But uh, don't worry. We're going to have more hats on the way. Julian will get himself one, and uh, we'll send him one. And, uh, and then we've got uh, – so let us know what you think about the hats. Info at KodiakShack.com. Check out the website, KodiakShack.com. Like, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. Thank you, everybody. And, again, donations are always open. All right. See you guys. See you. Thanks, thanks for having Julian. me. Talk to you later. Yeah, thanks for having me on. See you guys. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.